for watching NTD Business. Coming up, a major gun maker sued by the victims of a mass shooting. They're accusing it of illegally targeting young men prone to violence with its ads. And mortgage rates hitting a high not seen since the global financial crisis. Is it a still good time for you to buy a home? And the UK central bank says it will buy an unlimited amount of government bonds to stabilize markets. This as the IMF openly criticizes the new UK government's tax cuts. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here for NTD Business. As Hurricane Ian bared down on Florida this morning, President Biden delivered a cautionary message to oil and gas companies. And if you forgive me, I want to add one more warning. That's warning to the oil and gas industry executives. Do not. Let me repeat, do not. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. Biden warned that if any gas companies try to use the storm to raise prices at the pump, he will ask officials to investigate. The president said that about 190,000 barrels of oil a day have been impacted by the storm. That's just under 2% of the U.S.'s daily production. And victims of a July 4th shooting near Chicago are suing gunmaker Smith & Wesson over its ads. They filed several lawsuits Wednesday, arguing Smith & Wesson illegally targeted ads at people who might use them violently. That includes the 22-year-old gunman. One lawsuit alleges the gunmaker's ads mimic the shooter's eye view popular in video games. Also says the ads emphasize the rifle's combat features, such as being able to handle many rounds of ammunition. Lawyers argue the ads prove the gunmaker knowingly promoted the rifle to civilians for illegal purposes. We reached out to Smith & Wesson for comment. The lawsuits could have a wide implications for gun manufacturers. We'll keep you updated. The midterm elections are only over a month away. A top election analyst says Republicans just need six seats to flip the House. Here's more. In a new report issued on Wednesday, the Cook Political Report says that at least 212 House seats are likely to lean Republican. At the same time, about 192 seats were classified as leaning Democrat. There are currently 212 Republicans, 221 Democrats, and two vacancies in the House. Cook's estimate suggests there are 31 toss-up seats in the midterm elections. It means Republicans need to only win six of those seats to recapture the House. As of Wednesday, the Cook Political Report rates 188 House seats as solid Republican, 13 as leaning Republican, and 11 as likely Republican. For Democrats, 162 are rated as solid Democrat, 13 as leaning Democrat, and 17 as likely Democrat. Among the 31 toss-up seats, 22 are currently held by Democrats, while 9 are held by Republicans. Historically, the party of the president tends to lose midterm elections. Other election experts have also predicted Republicans will make large gains come November. Private pollster Jim Ellis of Ellis Insight told the Epic Times earlier this month, quote, Looking at the aggregate number of people who have cast a ballot in each major party primary, we see a clear turnout advantage for the Republicans, compared to the 2018 midterm election, with Republicans up just under 48% in primary turnout nationally, while the Democrats are down just over 18%. And Connor McGuire, a principal and managing director at WPA Intelligence, told the Epic Times, quote, We saw 20 to 25 percent of the Republican primary voters had never even voted in a Republican primary before they had come out for the first time this year. Over half of Americans say education is a top issue for them to decide who to vote for. 
So how are both parties doing in terms of winning parents' support? Earlier, I spoke with Corey DeAngelis. He's a senior fellow at the American Federation for Children. Here's what he said. Corey, thanks for joining us today. And, you know, I just want to talk to you about education as the midterms elections are coming up. How big of an issue is education for this election or school choice? Yeah, it can totally be a huge issue. Look at what happened last year in Virginia with Terry McAuliffe, who just a year ago said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, leaned into parental rights as a political winner, and that turned out to be a disaster for Terry McAuliffe, who in a state that went 10 points to Biden just the year before, lost that election by two points overall. And in that election, education was the number two issue. And Republicans, if they lean into this, they can have a red wave in November. And the latest uh, polling nationwide from Washington Post and ABC News found that Republicans were only down one point on the issue of education nationwide. And that's a historic, a seismic shift over the past couple of decades. Democrats have been up on education, but now the GOP is becoming the parents' party by supporting parental rights and education. And it'll be wise for politicians to support parental rights going forward. And, you know, looking at these polls, can we conclude that, you know, parents are extremely supportive of school choice? Yeah, look at the latest Real Clear Opinion research polling from 22 earlier this year. 72% of Americans supporting the concept of school choice. That's That goes across party lines. That goes across uh, ideological lines. That goes across racial lines and other background characteristics. This poll found over two-thirds support among Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Parents know best for their kids when it comes to their education, and they're going to fight for the right to educate their kids as they see fit. This war has been going on for a long time, and the, the school choice wave is going to continue going forward. So I'm, e- I'm even seeing Democrat support for school choice leading up to the elections. But let me ask you this, you know, what is the biggest difference, you know, in the overall messaging between Democrats compared to Republicans on this topic? Well, you have Republicans branding themselves at the, as the parents party by supporting school choice. And the Democrats are hoping that the, that the Republicans don't talk about it uh, because they're in a catch-22 situation. If they come out for parental rights, well, then the teachers union is going to get mad at them, and they get a lot of funding from the teachers union. Randy Weingarten's union has provided over 99.99% of their campaign contributions to Democrats as opposed to Republicans in 2022, according to Open Secrets. But then if you have the Democrat political candidate come out against uh, uh, for parental against parental rights in education, like we saw with Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, with his moment that turned. Well, now you got the parents coming out against them. Those parents don't just show up to school board meetings; they show up at the ballot box too. Just one last thing, Corey. You know, yesterday we saw you know students staging school walkouts across Virginia to protest Governor Glenn Youngkin's proposed transgender policies. You know. I really didn't see any student protests when U.S. math skills and reading skills scores went down. So I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, what is the state of public schools right now? Why do we need a school choice program? Well, the schools are overly... And Randy Weingarten's own union and own poll in Battleground States found that uh, 
Democrats were more to blame by about five percentage points than Republicans for overly politicizing the schools. You, you see what happened with the walkouts in Virginia are using the kids, other people's kids, as political pawns to protest policies don't, they don't like. Do you see examples of the public school employees uh, uh, protesting in favor of, of Yunkin policies? No. And the parents are upset about it. Even independents, even some Democrats, they don't want their kids to be indoctrinated. They want their kids to be educated. And if they were focusing more on the basics, we wouldn't have these disastrous nation report card results that just came out uh, earlier this month nationwide, finding two decades of learning lost. That's, why, that's also why we need school choice, to allow families to choose providers of education that one, best align with their values, but two, also meet their needs in other ways, including doing a better job with the basics, math, reading, and writing. All right, Corey DeAngelis at the American Federation for Children. Pleasure speaking with you today. Totally, thanks for having me. And millions of families who were eligible to get monthly child tax credits from the IRS last year did not. Well, more than a million others who weren't qualified did. That's according to an audit released by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. They said the government agency failed to send $3.7 billion to eligible taxpayers. They did, however, send more than $1.1 billion to people who weren't supposed to get it. The IRS say that giving money to millions of families would be difficult, considering they had only four months to set up a system to do it. And Wall Street ended sharply higher today following the recent sell-off. The Dow jumped 549 points, or one nine-tenths of percent. S&P rose 72 points, about 2%. NASDAQ gained 222 points, also about 2%. And the average interest rate on the most popular U.S. home loan climbed to its highest level since August 2008. And Char Marshall fills us in on how it's affecting the housing market. The average contract rate on a 30-year mortgage rose 6.52% last week, a level not seen since the financial crisis and the Great Recession. High mortgage rates are hitting home demand, but real estate analyst Aaron Sykes says since home supplies remain tight, prices are still not coming down yet. We don't expect to see a decrease in prices because it becomes so expensive to build and contractors um, are really short-staffed at this point. We're seeing um, different supply-side issues and really, you know, the rate increases only address the demand side. It doesn't really fix that supply side. Despite the high mortgage rates, Sykes says she thinks they'll keep rising. We do anticipate mortgage rates continuing to increase at least through 2022, if not into 2023. That's why she thinks right now it's still a good time to get a deal. I personally expect rates to start coming down coming into the 2024 election cycle. So if you can manage a 7% rate between now and then, I think you will have an opportunity to um, renegotiate your rate and um, get into a lower long-term situation uh, in that 2024 year cycle. The Federal Reserve is expected to keep raising interest rates until later this year, or 2023. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And the UK government is taking emergency measures to stabilize its financial system. Its central bank has vowed to buy an unlimited number of UK government bonds as investors dump theirs. Bonds va- bond values fell through the floor today that reportedly put some British pension funds on the brink of insolvency as they had so many eggs 
in one in the one basket of the usually risk-free government bonds. The sell-off started after Britain's new finance minister announced a range of tax cuts. The cuts would mean a loss of revenue for the government and a bigger budget deficit at the end of the year. That meant the UK would have to go deeper into debt by issuing more government bonds. Investors didn't seem to like that plan very much. Perhaps they were thinking it would be harder for the UK to handle all that debt, so they started abandoning ship. They sold the UK government bonds they were holding. And that's bad for the UK government because now it will be much more expensive for them to borrow money to fund its tax cuts. We'll have to offer investors a much higher interest rate to make their government bonds look more attractive. The government could have cut spending as it cut taxes, so it wouldn't have to go deeper into debt, but it didn't cut spending. And more worryingly is the possibility that too few investors will come forward to lended money, given the fact that the UK is facing historically high inflation. In that case, the Bank of England, the central bank, will have to step in as a buyer of last resort. In fact, the central bank has vowed to do that when necessary. This is the exact thing world central banks vow to stop doing this year because it's highly inflationary. In one sense, it's like printing new money. In another, it makes borrowing money very cheap, which fuels consumption and inflation. Many have criticized the UK's tax plan, including investors Ray Dalio and Peter Schiff. The latest critic is the International Monetary Fund. It says the plan may lead to more inflation and increased inequality. The International Monetary Fund, or IMF, is made up of 190 member countries. The UK is one of the members. While the IMF's comments were pretty vague, the chief economic advisor of Allianz read more into it. One is the IMF being concerned about the implications for the global economy of the UK shooting itself in the foot. And two, an internal IMF issue wanting to show that they are even-handed that this is not just about criticizing developing countries when they make policy mistakes. It's also about being brave enough to speak to one of the major economic powers. He says the actions of the UK government are not only affecting Britain, but also the global economy. And moving on, the U.S. embassy in Moscow is urging Americans to flee Russia immediately. Otherwise, they could be enlisted and forced to fight in the Ukraine war. The statement is in light of Vladimir Putin's partial mobilization decree last week. The embassy warned that Russia could deny U.S. citizenship of dual nationals and prevent them from leaving the country. Trapped Americans could then be forced into military service in Ukraine. Putin's order has prompted large groups of draft-age men to flee Russia. Within five days of the order's announcement, some 260,000 people had escaped the country. But limited commercial flights are making the effort hard. The White House has said it will accept Russian refugees escaping the war. The State Department also suggests that Americans do not travel to Russia for the time being. And the European Union's vowing to protect its energy network after two Russian pipelines to Europe started leaking. Several states say it was sabotage. Fiona Jones has more. Any intentional disruption to EU energy networks would meet a robust and united response. That was according to the bloc's top diplomat on Wednesday. The comments come after sudden leaks in Russian gas pipelines to Europe, Nord Stream 1 and 2, which some states are saying was an act of sabotage. The leaks caused gas to spew into the Baltic Sea, and Denmark's armed forces, who provided footage of bubbles boiling to the top, said the disturbance was well over half a mile wide. 
EU Commissioner Valdis Dombrovskis said the incidents were not a coincidence. All uh, information available so far seems to be indicated that it has been a deliberate act. It's clear that any deliberate destruction of the EU energy infrastructure is completely unacceptable and it will be met with a robust and united response. The pipelines have been flashpoints in the escalating energy war between Europe and Moscow since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has sent gas prices soaring. However, it remained unclear if the leaks were caused by foul play. Russia's embassy in Denmark issued a statement saying that any sabotage on Nord Stream's pipelines was an attack on both Russia's and Europe's energy security. The EU has not named a potential perpetrator or suggested a reason for the suspected sabotage. And a Chinese firm just bought 1,400 acres of land in Florida, but its leadership holds links to the Chinese military. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has more. A Chinese bio-research company just made a major purchase of 1,400 acres of land in Florida, bought for over $5 million. The company is called Join Laboratories. It plans to build a facility on the land in Florida's Levy County, where it will breed and quarantine primates. Though it can't break ground just yet, Join is trying to rezone the property. Currently, the area only has the green light for forestry and rural residential purposes, not for research laboratories. Taking a closer look at the Chinese company, its leadership is known to have ties to the Chinese military. The CEO, Feng Yuxia, is a green card holder. She graduated from a Chinese military medical research institute. Feng also worked for an organization affiliated with the Chinese military in the 1990s. The company manager, Zuo Tongling, graduated from the same Chinese military medical research institute. Zooming out to the big picture, both the U.S. and China are trying to speed up their biotechnology development. Just this month, President Biden signed an executive order pledging to spend $2 billion to boost the U.S. biotech industry. China has also been investing and expanding its biomanufacturing capacity. In terms of production facilities and capacity, China comes in third globally after the U.S. and EU. In other news, China is meddling in the upcoming U.S. midterm elections. Meta says it removed fake China-based accounts targeting Americans with political content. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Meta's findings. Meta's social media platforms Facebook and Instagram took down a network of around 80 Chinese accounts involved in what company executives say was a political influence operation. They say the China-based propaganda operation was the first one they knew about and disrupted that focused on targeting users in the United States ahead of November's midterm elections. Meta reported the fake accounts posed as both liberal and conservative Americans in different states. The accounts posted political memes and commented on public figures' posts. The operation pushed messages on issues like gun rights and abortion. Meta gave one example of an account commenting on a Facebook post by Republican Senator Marco Rubio asking him to stop gun violence and using the hashtag RubioChildrenKiller. Most of the accounts were active from November 2021. The network was also active on Twitter. A Twitter spokesperson says the company is aware of Meta's report and has also taken down the accounts. Meta says the same network also set up fake accounts posing as people in the Czech Republic, criticizing the Czech government on its approach to China. 
An executive from Meta says they do not have enough evidence to say who in China was behind the activity, but that the account stuck to a shift pattern that coincided with a 9 to 5, Monday to Friday work schedule during working hours in China. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Still to come after the break, we look at the car with the highest markup above sticker price and why that is. You might be surprised. And we visit a man who's collected hundreds of typewriters that type in different languages. Why? And more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. If you're looking for a good deal on a vehicle, Kia cars might not be for you. According to Edmunds.com, Kias are selling for an average of 6% above sticker price. That's the biggest premium of any brand. There are a few factors at play here as to why that is. First, Kia prices its vehicles modestly, so even that 6% markup equates to less than $2,200 on a typical vehicle. Contrast that with Land Rover, which is selling for 4% over sticker price. But that still amounts to about $3,700. Kia has also been working years to change its image as a low-priced manufacturer. Though how much you price may vary depending on the location because dealers are free to set their own prices. And here is the world's first all-electric passenger plane, Alice. It took its first successful flight yesterday. The zero-emission aircraft traveled at an altitude of 3,500 feet for eight minutes. Israeli company Eviation owns the plane, which has battery technology similar to that of an electric car. And with 30 minutes of charging, it can fly for an hour at about 280 miles per hour. Though that's about 50% slower than the Boeing 737. The company hopes to have it in the hands of customers by 2027. And over in India, one man has collected around 450 typewriters that type in different languages. His goal is to promote their usage in the age of mobile phones and computers. Entity's Andrew Thomas has more. Rajesh Sharma developed a love for typewriters at a young age. His father inspired his passion for the machines, so he started collecting typewriters when he realized they were disappearing from the country. Sharma's collection ranges from typewriters made in 1890 to 2020. I opened this museum around 10 years ago. It has around 450 typewriters as of now. I started with around four or five typewriters, and now they're not just from India. Typewriters from America, England, Germany, France, Italy, Japan, and China are also in my collection. The typewriter was first patented in 1868. The Remington Gun Company marketed and sold the machine in 1874. They gained popularity in the early 20th century, with production peaking in the mid-1970s. In the 1980s, typewriters with a memory card called word processors had a relatively brief run but they were eclipsed by personal computers with word processing software. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. 
And that's all the stories we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mai. You can follow me on Twitter too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. We read every email. And that's all for today. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.